Welcome to the Occult London podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate us on iTunes, as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk, where you can subscribe to the show. If anyone has any questions for me, then I'd love to hear from them. So please reach out via Facebook or on email, as I'd love to answer your questions. You can find my Facebook on the show notes or alternatively email me at occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy it. Halloween, as we spoke about in our previous episode, is a time of really honouring the ancestors, honouring the dead, uh, the beginning of the winter and also paying our respect to those who've come before us. And this is a very important aspect of a lot of different magical and spiritual practice. Ancestors are part of us both physically from a genetic point of view and also spiritually in that they are invested in our success and want us to succeed in life because we are a continuation of the work they did in their life and also the fact that we are alive is obviously testament to them. Ancestor veneration is becoming very common now and it's obviously a part of lots of different cultures around the world which we'll be talking about um, there were, for example, there was an interesting study done uh, by a sociologist where he actually did a survey of 1,348 genealogists. And in this survey, he was asking people questions um, as to why they would go and ask, go and use a genealogist. And the top reason for people doing family research, they discovered, was to learn about my roots, about who I am. And it was over 80% of people that responded to this survey cited that as being the incentive for them finding out more about their family tree. So obviously that's quite interesting because, you know, people want to, this is inherent in us, we want to know where we came from, we want to know who our ancestors are, we want to know who created us and what family and what land and what country we're from. The blood that runs through our veins is the same blood that runs through the veins of our ancestors so we carry that down and this is what uh, Raven Gramassi calls the, the river of blood and also why the religious scholar Graham Harvey wrote to be an ancestor is to continue relating and it's also phrased beautifully by Liam Callanan in the novel The Cloud Atlas when he says we are all ghosts we carry inside us people who came before us so it's this nice idea that we are here now, but we're obviously carrying all of those ancestors um, with us in everything that we do. Our ancestors are with us constantly in the land that we walk on, um, the air that we breathe, in the food and the beer and the wine on our table. They're in our blood, they're in our bones, and they're also in the spiritual path that we follow. Honouring the ancestors is about acknowledging their presence and also welcoming them in, in to the celebration of the life that it ours and the life that we are living right now. And remember that the ancient Egyptians called their dead the living ones and the god Osiris was known as Lord of the Living, which I think is really nice because it gives you this idea of the dead are living alongside us even though we can't see them and they live within us and they live within our minds as well. 
And although our ancestors may have moved on, they may be gone to Valhalla or Summerland or Heaven, you know, we have this blood bond that connects us to them. Their blood runs in our veins and it makes forming a connection with ancestors very easy. And this idea is expressed very beautifully by um, a druid called Emma Restall All um, when she writes the following. When we honour or revere the ancestors, we are acknowledging those of our own bloods, those who have lived on the land where we live, and those of our heritage whose teachings we now seek to comprehend. Our reverence comes not from a sense of these folk having been heroes, for they were often as flawed as we are. Our reverence is based on the perception of where or how they are, for the dead are in the wind, as breath and words spoken, songs sung. They are in the waters of our land, which holds so much memory. They are in the mud that nourished them, which their bodies nourish when they died. They are in the blood, in the stories told, in the mistakes we make, in the lessons we have learnt, in each child's smile, in every ploughed field, each glimpse of hope, our ancestors are all around and within us. As such, it is through them that we are able to find that exquisite connection with nature. This is what we revere. This is what we give thanks for. Raising our mead horn in their honour, remembering their names and their stories. And that's a beautiful quote from the druid Emma Restall Orr. So by learning about our ancestors, we you know we really learn about ourselves and who we came from. And ancestor veneration takes many different forms and in many different cultures. However, the defining form is the gathering together of families and communities to honour their ancestors. And it's sometimes involving inviting them home with great feasts. You have songs, you have chanting and prayers and burning of incense. And also, you know, in many cultures, we have this idea that the souls of the dead are drawn towards ceremonies and remembrance rituals as it helps them to transition from this world to the next. And also, it's this idea of giving energy to them as well. And this is something Anne um, Mallory Valdos uh, talks about in her book Ancestral Veneration, which is worth reading if you're interested. And I quote, Ancestor veneration can refer to any ritual or spiritual practice that can reconnects you with the people who came before. Doing genealogical research, cooking your grandmother's favourite recipe, learning the folk music and the dance from your cultural background, and speaking to the dead in your dreams are all examples of ancestor veneration. Ancestor veneration practices can be secular, magical or both. They complement a wide variety of spiritual paths. And that's a quote from Ancestral Veneration by Mallory Valdos. We see examples of ancestor veneration in lots of different cultures worldwide. Uh, we've got the Hungry Ghost Festival, um, which is a Buddhist Taoist festival, which includes offerings for the dead, uh, and they also burn lots of incense. 
Um, there's things like the Egungung Masquerade as well. And in Sangoma, you have, uh, in South Africa, you have the spiritual healing sessions, which are kind of connecting with the ancestors. Obviously, from a Christian point of view, particularly Catholic, we have All Souls Day, which is on November the November the 2nd, which is a very big festival um, for lots of countries worldwide and obviously is, is venerating the saints. In ancient Rome, they also had a an annual nine-day celebration that was held to honour the spirits of the ancestors and families used to gather together to visit the, the graves of their deceased loved ones and feast and they used to leave offerings of flowers and wine and bread and salt. Um, ancestor veneration is also mentioned in the Zohar and it states that without the prayers of the Zadikim the world would not endure for a single moment and the Zadikim shield the world and even more so after their death. And the Zadik, Zadikem um, are essentially holy people or holy men um, and saints who essentially we can connect with through praying um, and they also will be praying to, to help humanity. So it's almost similar to the concept of the Bodhisattva. In Vietnam, they have the Wandering Souls Festival of Tet Trung Nguyen, or the Day of Forgiveness of the Lost Soul. And this is a fascinating place. Vietnam is actually really fascinating. If you ever uh, want to go and have a look at that place, I definitely recommend it after hopefully this coronavirus thing goes away. Um, but in that festival, the whole country shuts down and everyone visits graves and offers prayers and buffets of, buffets of meat, rice and cakes to the dead. And it's really meant to be this idea of when the living and the dead meet in thoughts. Um, in the UK as well, um, there is a village called I Am in Derbyshire, and they hold an annual celebration to honour the villagers who, through their own sacrifice, really held back the advance of the bubonic plague in 1665. Uh, it's a fascinating village to go to, and you can actually go around uh, and see it. So it's definitely worth it if anyone's travelling in the UK. Um, but uh, basically, the village put themselves into voluntary isolation after realising that the plague had infected one of their people and the vicar of the town really kind of stood up as a leader and decided to take action and close the church and people were burying their dead in their gardens and supplies and food for the village was left by a well which was just outside the village which is now known as Mom Pesson's Well where payment would be left in a trough filled with vinegar as they thought it would purify it. Um, unfortunately, through later later evidence suggests that obviously vinegar doesn't help work that well from that point of view, but that was all they had in those days. And yeah, sadly, over 260 residents from that village died out of 350, but they did manage to save the surrounding region. And they have a memorial service in Wakes Week, where the villagers dress the well and they hold an open-air church service and lay wreaths on the grave of Catherine Mompesson, who is obviously related to the vicar. So it's a nice idea. They're obviously honouring the dead, honouring the ancestors of their village. Um, and, you know, through that sacrifice, they were able to continue. Obviously, um, going to other, other cultures, we've got the Day of the Dead or Dia, Dia 
de las Mortas, and I'm not pronouncing that right, I don't speak Spanish unfortunately, um, where you get things like decorating an altar with you know, sugar skulls, they've got photos of the deceased and coffins and uh, people go and they visit the cemeteries and they clean the headstones and you know, leaving offerings, flowers, cakes as well. And um, so that's a fascinating festival as well, which is worth checking out. In the West, obviously, we have our own version of the Day of the Dead, which is Halloween. And um, if you haven't already, then go back and I recommend listening to the episode one, which talks more about the origins of that. Halloween obviously takes place on October the 31st. And, you know, children dress up as ghosts and goblins and witches, etc., and knock on doors and you know they're really kind of enacting that belief that the ancestral spirits would come knocking on the door of the living and ask to be welcomed in and the ritual of placing the candle in the jack-o'-lantern is really to enable the lost souls of the family access again festivals like Samhain as well which is the pagan festival of Halloween are very important from this aspect as well because it's obviously when the veils are thin and they're often um, often the most common times when people will start to work with ancestors. Although actually you can work with them you know, all year round and it's a good idea to have some kind of ancestor practice um, going. It really helps you to connect with, with the, the people of the past. There's different ways and views on why you would want to work with ancestors. Um, one of the ideas around it is to do with redemption. So this is the idea that through prayers and acknowledgements, we can actually help our ancestors and our relatives and also in some way, you know, give them some energy, some positivity. And we can work with them to help us with, you know, things going on on in our lives as well as, you know, honouring them as well and what they did. And... It doesn't necessarily mean you need to kind of be bloodline connected to them. And we'll talk about that in a bit more detail. Obviously, you have the blood ancestors. So you've got like your biological family and, you know, your your uncles and aunts, your grandparents, your great grandparents, etc. Going back, back through time. So that's like your direct ancestors. Um, an important aspect of that, obviously, though, is... You might not necessarily want to honour some of them. So if you had like an abusive father or, you know, abusive husband or mother or something like that, you're not necessarily going to want to uh, potentially work with that particular person from an ancestral point of view. Um, If you didn't get on with them in life, you're not probably not going to get on with them when they're not around. Um, So it's it's entirely up to you um, if you wanted to you know, kind of have some prayers and things for that particular person. And with families as well, it's important to note as well as we be are connected to them and they care about you, even if they have already passed beyond the veil. So they're sending love, strength and guidance. And even though someone may not be physically with us now, um, they do still live on in our hearts and minds and our love and our memories of them can also keep them alive in some way. Other ancestors that we can talk about is 
companion ancestors so you know these are kind of like friends or it could be like a past girlfriend or a boyfriend or a past husband you know someone that's not potentially related to you by blood but um, very much a strong part of your life you also get hero ancestors as well and these are like the people that you would look up to and are important to us it could be a teacher that taught you at school that's passed away a long time ago could be um, an author could be someone like that someone who you felt really important who you felt very inspired by and then also we have the spiritual ancestors and these are important to us spiritually so this could be things like the bodhisattvas or uh, in witchcraft you have like the mighty dead is a concept or saints so this is like a more like the spiritual tradition that you work within and that would be your ancestor from that point of view so how do we work with the ancestors well there's a lot of different ways of starting to work with them the first step i would recommend is you know the research piece so start researching them try and build up your family tree talk to existing relatives and begin to map them out once you know who you're dealing with in your family um, you can then start to sort of incorporate a basic practice into your daily meditation. So a really nice way of doing this is just simply lighting a candle and saying a short prayer to the ancestors. And, you know, if you do this every day, it's a beautiful way of actually just connecting and saying thank you for me being here. Thank you for this human body that I am in. Thank you for your sacrifice. And that's a very beautiful way of just connecting and very simple. Um, when you do this a lot you can also obviously expand this out into a full-blown ancestor altar which is quite common with um, quite a lot of different pagan and wiccan and other traditions and on the ancestral altars people often have you know flowers they have photos of their relatives they'll have libations such as a, a, a type different types of alcohol and spring water and then also some foods as well so it's this idea of you're, you're giving offerings to these ancestors to say thank you for their sacrifices um, as I said before ancestors don't need to necessarily be relatives of yours they can be also an ancestor of place so for instance if you live in London one of your ancestors of the place would be you know people like John Dee for instance or Queen Elizabeth etc so there's things like that people that actually came before you in that place you're in that place now they were in that place before so therefore there is this connection through place and you can also work with that and that can obviously apply to your house it can apply to your village you can apply to the city that you live in or even the country so as a as a mythical um, archetype or an ancestor in the UK you'd have um, you know like Merlin or King Arthur would be very good ones to to work with if you want to get in touch with that ancient ancestor that sits within the British psyche behind it all and then obviously if you live in a very kind of remote places there might not be that much history or it might be um, not many people that have been there and you could say there's animals because obviously animals have always been around um, you know foxes and badgers and bears and, and wolves etc you know that's the ancestor of that place and likewise, you can also work with the ancestors from an elemental point of view. So the rocks is, a, you know, the stone beneath you, the wood, the water. 
And from that point of view, that's your kind of elemental ancestor. So, you know, you can take this quite a long way. Also, as I said, from a magical perspective, it can also be the founder of a magical order or a famous witch in whose kind of practice or hereditary craft you practice. And those are sometimes known as the mighty dead and represent the founders of a particular spiritual path or discipline. But um, yeah, that's the basic thing really. Light a candle, set up an altar and you can start working with them. And how do you contact them is the next question. Well, the purpose of the altar really and the candle and the prayers is really to show them that you are thinking about them. And just through doing this will give them energy and light in the realm they're in. How do we work with them? Well, I think the easiest answer to that is just ask them to join you and pray together. It's that simple and after you practice, you'll begin to notice a nice feeling of working with them on a regular basis as you will be building a relationship with them. And you'll also be able to tell that some of them will help you with some things and have preferences for certain jobs. So, for instance, relatives are going to be quite interested in your personal safety and protection. And they might, that's kind of very good from that point of view. Obviously, if you're working with someone like Merlin, for instance, as a, an ancestor from the point of view of, you know, the British Isles, for instance, then um, you could, then obviously... That would be slightly different and it's going to be more relevant from a kind of spiritual guidance or wisdom point of view. When we work with the ancestors, it, it really allows us to start to understand our past and also, more importantly, begin to accept our past, our failings and integrate them into our current self and also move that into the future. So it enables the gifts of these ancestors really to sort of flow through us almost like unblocking a dam or, or turning on a tap of the power of the river of the past. And the ancestors teach us that we should listen to the lessons and advice from those who have gone before us and that there's really this huge reservoir of wisdom available to us if we are asked for it and if we accept it. And um, you'll, you'll find that they can also be quite stern in how they work and will make you reflect on things and also make you question how your how you respond to things your motivations as well and you know whether we should correct certain things or are we repeating certain patterns in our lives and should we be really kind of addressing an area are we ignoring something important you know all that stuff you'll start to start to work with Another way we can honour the ancestors also simply by talking about them with others as well as sharing memories about them. So, you know, if you just talk about how, and this particularly works, obviously blood ancestors that you, you, you remember, but um, just talking about them and honouring them. Or it could be that someone you don't know, but if you write a poem about them or a song or do a painting, that's another way of actually honouring that ancestor. And it will help you with that connection. And obviously the important thing as well is we honour the ancestors by being the best person we can be. Our lives are essentially a result of the sacrifices of our ancestors. That's the reason we are here. And 
our life should be about honouring that sacrifice and doing things to the utmost ability as best we can and with kindness and power. And that's something that Emma Restall, all the uh, Druid, mentions on her website when she calls it endeavouring to live a life which her ancestors would be proud of. And think about it, the people who went before us were the explorers and the pioneers, but we are carrying on that legacy and they want us to succeed and carry that great work on. And this is something Joanna van de Hoven talks about in her book Pagan Portals. And I quote, I have made mistakes in my past. I have had glorious achievements. I can acknowledge all of these and today be the best person I can be. For the sake of my future ancestors of blood, tradition and place. There is no time to wallow in guilt or to rest on my laurels. Every single deed, every single action right now will have an effect on the future. The past is there to teach us. The future is there to direct us. And the present moment exists to capture all that we can be in this moment in time. And that's a beautiful quote from Joanna van der Hoven's book, Pagan Portals, The Arwen Alone. Um, an easy way to connect with the ancestors as well is to do the following. So you can light a candle for them and you say a short prayer. When I say a prayer, you don't necessarily need to be doing a Christian prayer. It can just be ancestors come to me, I honour you. You know, something very simple and from the heart. That's all that you need. Um, if you have something you can that belong to them, a photo, a picture, that can really help. And you can hold that in your hand and and then really shut your eyes and you can go into a trance state. So you need the deep breathing, relaxation. And a good technique that I personally use is if you visualize yourself in a place that you know well. So it could be like a garden that you visited when you were a child. It could be a, a, a room that you know extremely well. And yeah, just really kind of ask your ancestor to meet you there. And... This works extremely well because you'll find that often they will appear in that particular visualization. And you'll find that with practice, you get really good results with this technique. As we're really working with the ancestors on their particular plane, which is the astral plane, this technique. So we're using our visualization to move into the astral plane, build that uh, particular space, and enables them to actually come and meet you on that place. And this is a much easier place for them to meet you than, say, trying to get them to come into a, a crystal ball or something like that. This is a very easy way of you know, connecting with that particular energy. If you're not very good at visualization, it doesn't matter. Um, all you need to do is imagine that you are and just feel the sensation of being in a particular place. And that will work as well. And they may not appear to you in an image. It may just appear to you in a, in a sensation or a smell or a sound. But um, yeah, definitely try that technique out. I find it works very well. Um, it's an interesting question how um, obviously ideas of reincarnation fit in with ancestral work. And that's something I'm still trying to work out 
myself. Um, certainly some traditions in the Western mystery traditions, such as the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, did not encourage any work with the dead. And instead, they sort of believed that the beings that might come through if you did anything related to this would almost be like shells. So they would be other be other entities potentially that were using the shell of somebody or the image of somebody and that the, the real person has potentially moved on or reincarnated into another into another physical form by that point it's a big question and i'm not too sure of the answer to that but it's a very interesting one if anyone has any interesting views on that then please reach out to me um but uh, yeah that's that's a bit of a mystery because from a personal perspective i kind of feel that we have a yeah, I think reincarnation does exist, but also uh, part of us can still tap in um, to kind of previous ones. It's almost like we're our, we're like our own ancestors from from one perspective. So it's yeah, it's interesting anyway. And um, from meditation and other work, it feels that perhaps we can exist in different lives and different cultures. So perhaps a way we can work with that energy is really sort of focusing in on a more collective group of ancestors or a larger route. Um, because obviously we're all connected at some level. As a human race, we are all each other's ancestors at some level. And through honouring our ancestors, we are healing and honouring ourselves in the past, the present and the future. And one day we will become the ancestor that someone lights a candle to or talks about in a hushed voice on Halloween. We're, we're facing very difficult times at the moment, obviously with coronavirus and people feel very separated, feel isolated, feel very scared. But we need to try and work together, I think, and be kind and be nice to each other and stay strong. So let's become the person and the people that we want to be. Let's become the people that we would want our children and our grandchildren to be proud of and look up to as a great ancestor. Let's become that famous warrior, that person who lit up the world, and let's create that masterpiece that we will be remembered for. That's what we've got time for today. I wanted to finish with a poem by um, Siegfried, for Siegfried Sassoon, who is an English poet, writer and soldier. And he f was uh, one of the famous war poets that um, fought in the on the Western Front in the First World War. And this is a poem called The Ancestors by Siegfried Sassoon. Behold these jeweled merchant ancestors foregathered in some chancellery of death. Calm, provident, discreet, they stroke their beards and move their faces slowly in the gloom and barter monstrous wealth with speech subdued, lustreless eyes and acquiescent lids and often pauses of their conference. They listen to the measured breath of nights, hushed sweet of wind aloft swaying trees, 
in dimly gesturing gardens, then a voice climbs with clear mortal song, half sad for heaven. A silent-footed message flits and brings the ghostly sultan from his glimmering halls. A shadow at the window, turbaned vast, he leans and pondering the sweet influence that steals around him in remembered flowers. Hears the frail music wind along the slopes. Put forth and fade across the whispering sea. Thanks very much for joining us this week on the Occult London podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please make sure to visit our website at www.occultlondon.co.uk. Speak to you all soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.